Today, I'm joined by two industry friends and fellow podcasters who came to help me celebrate episode 199 and discuss the future of partnerships. Let's go. This is the ultimate guide to partnering, the top partnership podcast. In this podcast, Vince Minzione, a proven partner sales executive, shares his mission to help leaders like you achieve your greatest results through successful partnering. And now your host, Vince Minzione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host. And today, I welcome Rob Speed, leads channels and alliances at Beyond Trust, and is the host of the Channel Journeys podcast. And Paul Bird, a portal wizard at Magentrix, and the host of the Ultimate Channel Sales podcast. Join us to discuss the trends and topics in our world of partners and ecosystems. And as we celebrate Ultimate Guide to Partnering's latest milestone, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed spending time with Paul and Rob. Welcome to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm so excited to welcome my two friends, Rob Speed, the Senior Vice President of Global Channels and Alliances of Beyond Trust, and Paul Bird, Portal Wizard. Paul, is that your new title? And also a host of a a famous podcast, the Ultimate Channel Sales Podcast. So great to have my two friends here with me today. So great to see you both today. Great to be on your channel. Great to be on your channel. I've done Rob's and now I've got the trifecta. (laughs) It was my turn, selfishly. Yes, it was. I picked a momentous occasion, episode 199 of the Ultimate Guide to Partnering podcast. Woohoo! No. It's crazy. Congratulations. Crazy. We started this journey back in, well, it was, let's see, it was, oh, no, 17. Oh, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It, <laughs> it was 18 or 18 that we got started with it, or at least the idea st- got started. And we, we put it on hold for two years and came back out in 2020. In fact, Rob was an impetus for me because we had met a long time. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. it, but I can't believe we're at 199 now. It's kind of wow. crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you. Well done. Thank well you. done. So it's Q4, right? We were just having a conversation about this and what we've all been, what's going on in our worlds and how is your fall shaping up? I'll, I'll, I'll turn over to Rob first because I think you've been super busy traveling. Yeah, I've I've had some fun traveling for pleasure amongst all the the work and everything. And I've got a great team that fills in for me when I'm gone, which is fantastic. I know I can 100% rely on them and good things happen when I leave. So that's... That's always good. <laughs> but yeah, this this is crunch time. We I was out last week. I had a little sailing vacation, which will be a later podcast for me. But while I was away, two of my leaders stepped in for me and they participated in the QBR and planning session for 24. So great opportunity for them. But that's really right now. It's the Q4 crunch. We got to close strong for end of year. And then we're talking a lot about what we learned this year and what we're going to do differently next year. Nice, nice. And it's great when you can shape leaders that way, right? Bring them in, let them step in and and grow in in their career. Yeah, it is. It's nice to see. And they're really stepping up. I'm jealous. I I figure when you take time off, you actually never get time off because you come (laughs) back and your inbox is just uh, overflowing. So good on you having uh, great leaders there to fill in while you're away. Yeah, thanks. I think as a leader, that's one of the most important things you can do. You've got to have a super strong leadership team and have someone who can back in for you. And 
Hopefully, I don't ever fall off a sailboat. But if I did, I know someone else could step in and, and take it over. Yeah, for well, sure. we're going to have to talk more about your sailing journeys uh, a little bit later on in this. And Paul, great to see you. Just wrapping up. I mean, the, the timing of this is the day after the Canadian Thanksgiving. So great to That's see right. you. And I guess you've had a house full of guests, from what I understand. House full of guests and great to have friends and family here. And uh, we don't we don't get a lot of people dropping by throughout the course of the year. So to have a, a full house was, was fantastic. Yeah. Great, great to see everyone. And now the now the push to the end of the year. Well, yeah. until your Thanksgiving, and then I actually get a couple <laughs> days off. Yeah. Ours is oddly placed. I always think about that because as soon as you get back from Thanksgiving, it's that last little crunch before the, the Christmas and uh, holidays at the end of the year. So it always seems like it's a little too short a sprint. I like the Canadian layout of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we should yeah. switch, Vince. I'm, I'm in agreement here. <laughs> And as Rob, long as I get you, both off, uh, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, we missed you. Paul and I got to be at the Catalyst event in Denver the end of August. Seems like 100 years ago now, but that was a great event. I thought we'd start there. Like, Let's talk about what's been happening in our industry. What are, what are you all seeing and how do you comment about what the changes are, where we're growing as a decade of the ecosystem? I'm curious about the show. What, was the, what were the hot topics there? Well, I think that the show itself was really a great event for for people that were at various stages of their their channel journey, plugged to your podcast there, and covered a lot of different topics. I mean, there was a lot focusing on ecosystems, co-selling, uh, a lot of vendors there across the, the not only the PRM space, but but also channel marketing, channel support. So really wide range of topics and and really well-organized events. So Vince, I don't know if, if you have anything to add, but for, for me, I think it was yeah. a great event for everyone that attended. I thought it was very well done. And yeah, I, I had the opportunity to speak at the event. So I got to do a session on the marketplace, all, all the opportunities that are coming out of the hyperscaler movement right now. But I was so impressed that I talked to to Chris and and the company and that they used to to organize the event. And I've hired them since to organize our event. So yeah, really, really was impressed with the the quality of the event. Great to meet so many people that are in our space. I think of this as almost like an association of everyone that's in these roles, right? More so than it's more of an industry event than a specific vertical focus or horizontal focus. Yeah. So many folks in the channel were there. That's, I, well, it wasn't hard being on vacation, but I miss not, not attending for that reason, just to see everyone. Yeah. And a lot of talk about the role of the chief partner officer, right? So this role taking on shape. There was a session that Workspan helped that focused in on Hammett from Workspan led with Greg Serafin, who is from EY, about that role of the chief partner officer. Any comments there? Like we talked about like titles here. You still go by the title of Global Channel and Alliances, Rob. How are you thinking about the chief partner officer role? Well, yeah, on titles, if it's just a title change, it's not that big a difference. I'll probably change my title. There have been people were pushing me yesterday on this to SVP of partner ecosystems is more appropriate than the channels and alliances kind of old terminology. So that's, that's probably a, a no brainer. But I, to me, the, the chief partner officer to me means it's an elevation to the C suite, right? Yes. Yes. So that's a whole different role. And I, I think that could be hugely valuable to have an even greater say in ensuring that the partner ecosystem is infused in everything you do. And that's always a challenge. I, I don't 
perceive at all that we're the redheaded stepchild of old and where channels used to sit. Yeah. I think we are partner ecosystems is strategically extremely important, but you still, of course, see occasions where things are rolled out without thinking about the partners, whether it's a promotion campaign product or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I think elevating it to the C-suite could be a logical next step. At the same time, though, I don't want to lose that connection with the chief revenue officer. I, I think being under the CRO is so helpful to be fully aligned. And at our stage where we're at right now, it's perfect because we need to integrate the partner ecosystem 100% into the go-to-market motion, yeah. which is owned by the CA, CRO. So my alignment with the CRO is, is just critical. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in terms of being hand in glove with the CRO, right? But but having the visibility to the C-suite across, I think about marketing, you, you talked about promotions and campaigns and marketing mm -hmm. kind of going off on its own and doing things. Paul, what about from your perspective? Well, well, I still see people in the adoption phase for ecosystems. I think that we're still in a, a stage of understanding what does this mean now as opposed to in the past? And is it new terminology? Is it a different go-to-market action? So I'm just starting to see more and more people adopt the terminology of ecosystem. I still haven't seen as many people adopting the C-level partner officer. And when I look at a C-level partner officer, I look at it as in line with the, the, the CRO. I, are these different roles or, or is it an expansion of the same role? And I think it's critical to the success of an organization that has a go-to-market plan through channel is to have mm -hmm. buy-in at the C-suite and having a, a CPO in place that's going to ensure that buy-in from the top down. Yeah. I could argue it from both sides. I do think ha having the visibility to the C-suite is super important. That alignment uh, going across product, customer success, mm -hmm. revenue, and marketing, right, as the sort of the four major functions there, uh, super important. And it's so complex going across these organizations. I, I was just going to say, Vince, I think you can have still, though, a high degree of influence on the C-suite without being mm -hmm. in the C-suite, yeah. right? And that's... That's critical. You've got to be able to have that alignment and influence on the team. What does that influence strategy look like for you? Constant communication. Yeah. <laughs> right? With yeah. with the members of the C suite. I which I I try to maintain to make sure that we, we have that alignment and that I'm influencing some of the decisions that they're making for, for twenty four, especially at this stage in in the year. It's really critical to be thinking about all the different areas, product direction, marketing direction, even even finance, how mm -hmm. we uh, account for the benefits of the ecosystem and how we compensate the ecosystem. Yeah, for you know, sure. Paul, Paul had brought up attribution as a topic area for today's mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. I think this ties right in, right? How, how do you show up from an attribution perspective? How yeah. do you show the impact of the partner organization? Paul, do you have something you'd like to add there? Well, and my topic of having attribution was really more on the front lines. In fact, we were debating what comes first today, deal registration or lead distribution. But the, the question really becomes, how do you understand where your opportunities are originating from? From, from what partner organization? From what go-to-market activity uh, are these these opportunities being generated? Mm -hmm. And I know that at Magentrix, we're just about to roll out a new capability that basically is completely cookie-less 
that will attribute any potential opportunity to its founding source and really difficult to to eliminate it and potentially give you almost unlimited or a timeless link back to the original source. So I think this is what we're, we're seeing more of is not only from a demand generation, they want to have attribution, but then throughout the entire ecosystem, being able to attribute to the various components back to the success and obviously the prof- profitability of the, of the go-to-market action through the, through the channel. So that, that's where I'm seeing it. I'm seeing a lot of people that are looking for, for this capability and happy to see Magentrix is delivering it. I mean, a quick turnaround as well. Nice. Rob, what about from your side? Yeah, attribution, I think, is, is really important to, to better understand your ecosystem. And mm-hmm. it, it starts with, yeah, the, the origination of the deal, though sometimes I wish we could just throw that out the window because that's so <laughs> complex today. Who were it was, which partner was it, which influencer yeah. was it, which rep or SDR was it? You can just get wrapped around the axle too quickly on that one. But understanding which partners of the ecosystem are involved in the account and helping mm-hmm. you in different ways, I think, is really important. And we've done a lot of work. It uh, wasn't easy, and we still have more work to go. And, and again, I think you can do Magentrix or any other vendor to automate it. I'm, I'm fully welcoming that because just trying to do it yourself in Salesforce is, is a huge lift. We've made huge strides. We've got a lot of metrics that we never had just even a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, which is fantastic. We took it a step too far, though, and tied con- uh, our compensation for the channel team to attribution, and that created a lot of challenges. Mm. Now they became way too much overhead in administration of checking the attribution. Then you get into arguments over attribution, yeah. not what you want to do. So we're pulling back from that. We want to still measure attribution, but we're not going to have compensation as It'll be a little bit tied to that, but greatly, greatly simplified. It'll probably be more in the in the area of maybe some spiffs or a few MBOs or something. But overall compensation, you got to keep it simple. No, couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah, you brought up compensation. Are you are you aligning your channel sellers directly to deals that they originate, or how how do you think about compensation for them? We're we're thinking about really radical steps next next year, greatly, greatly simplifying and have the. Really, we work in pods. So the sales pod includes the channel team, the SEs, TAMs, anyone that's part of that regional pod that helps win the business. We want everyone as closely aligned to the sales number as possible. Nice. We're all fighting for the same thing. Everything we do in building an ecosystem, at the end of the day, it's got to drive us hitting our sales revenue targets as well as our customer satisfaction targets. That's what we're trying to achieve. And you have both alliances and channels, right? So how, yeah. do you, how do you bring that pod together? Because you've got people calling on, let's say, AWS as an alliance partner, but then you have your channel partners who are actually going and implementing or influencing deals. Yeah, it's, it's really getting that orchestration going of mm-hmm. orchestrating the ecosystem. So mm-hmm. our alliances team, they're, they are responsible for building those alliances, helping us get all the integration points that we need. But in the field, between the channel account manager or partner manager and the rep, they're the ones who need to be driving that orchestration of the ecosystem. And we really see the, the role of the channel account manager evolving to much more of that, that curator, that custodian of the ecosystem in the region and assisting the reps in building their ecosystems. Yeah. And so it comes down to how do you drive the right behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. How, do, how, do you, how do you have the incentive drive the right behavior for it? 
Yeah, and every, keep everyone focused on the end goal of what yeah. we're trying to accomplish. Exactly. And not fight over it. <laughs> yes, and not fight over it. Turn it into a shepherd as opposed to a cat herder. Right? <laughs> so that's the, yes. the way they need to approach it when orchestrating so yeah. many components. A proactive shepherd is what we want. Yes, for sure. So let's shift back over to marketing. So, Paul, how are partner marketing teams thinking? How are, what, what are they doing better or differently this year than you think they've done in the past? Well, I don't think we've seen any kind of seismic shift on the partner marketing. Again, I think it comes to they want to be able to enable uh, partners with the appropriate tools. Uh, but uh, it's also about driving the adoption and usage of you know targeted marketing materials, being able to provide co-brandable assets, being able to have a, a strategy that is telling the better together story. And then how do we take that to, to the end user? There's so much noise in email. Is it still effective? Their LinkedIn is becoming increasingly more chaotic when it comes to the amount of information that's being shared. So I, I think that we're still seeing the same activities, maybe more joint marketing activities than we have in the past. But I don't think there has been a, a clear trend that has emerged on how do you break through the noise so that both the brand and the partner can reach the target, which is obviously the end user. So not a lot new, but I imagine that we'll start seeing innovation because we still haven't really seen how generative AI is going to impact marketing. I mean, it does a fantastic job of writing emails for me when I need it to, <laughs> or summarizing a bunch of technical documents and spitting yeah. out something that uh, is digestible for a non-technical user. Now I need to see it on the impact of, of the partner go-to-market activity, right? How does the, these technologies now allow partners to break through the noise and generate more opportunity for vendors? So mm -hmm. still waiting patiently. I'm so excited to announce our continued partnership with AG1. Many of you know I made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 21 years now and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. Over six years ago, I found Athletic Greens, and now their product, AG1, became my go-to supplement. AG1 is the first thing I take every morning to power my day. It covers all of my nutritional bases, supports my gut health, gives a boost to my immunity, and energy levels. If you want to take ownership of your health, Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash Vince M. That's drinkag1.com forward slash Vince M. Check it out. Let's stay on the topic of Gen AI. What are you both seeing there in terms of use? I mean, you talked a little bit about this, Paul, in, in referencing, and I know you've implemented Gen AI early mm -hmm. on in, in the Magentrix product. What are you seeing now in terms of the buzz? And what, what's hype and what's real uh, out there right now? Well, I think from a real perspective, this ability to create a level of automation, I mean, we first tackled it with deal registration, right? Nobody wants to log into a portal, fill out a form anymore yep. in 
they would basically just email their reps with the information. So now they all, all they do is email the portal and the portal's smart enough to pick it up, enter it in on their behalf and send them a confirmation. But I, I think that technology here is getting faster than the adoption of the technology. Genera has been out for what, about a year now? It's yep. just around a year's time. And we haven't seen it really take off as far as changing a lot of the ways that we do things. We're starting to see some some implementations and some applications of it, uh, but I haven't seen anybody push through. And we're still evaluating to integrate it further into our product and do our, our due diligence, but I'm still waiting for that that killer app to come out to, yeah. from Gen AI. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think we're going to see it. It was its own killer app, but let's see somebody use this to really make a seismic shift. And we're seeing some applications. I just think that I want to see the the next big thing come out of uh, yeah. Gen AI. So that's what I'm seeing anyway. Rob, what about from your side? What about Beyond yeah. Trust? Yeah, I, I haven't seen a big uptick yet uh, at Beyond Trust or even for myself. And part of it is just the time. I don't have time to go open chat GPT and remember my login and then enter some data and get it working to where I want. I'll just write the email. It's faster. I think it has to be built into the apps like you guys are doing mm-hmm. at Magentrix, Paul. Yeah. I think it's got to be built in and made super easy. Um, LinkedIn's tried that. I haven't tried. Have you guys tried doing a post? Because now they offer the uh, option of using chat GPT when you start your post. I haven't tried that yet. Actually, I haven't even seen it. I'm going to have to check this out. I know that with other tools that we use, Mm -hmm. like we use Sales Loft for internally for for sales and customer success. And they have an option to create an email using their generative AI. And it's it's okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's nothing mind blowing. What I find as far as chat GPT goes is the ability for for me to train it with information and taking, like I say, our technical documentation, our administrator guides, which are great late night reading material, but Mm -hmm. that's going to keep your attention for (laughs) more than a few minutes and then having it translate that. And Mm -hmm. the more information that I feed it, the more it starts to understand Magentrix as a, as a platform and an offering yeah. and all that we're yeah. capable of doing. So it, the results it can produce are notably better. So mm-hmm. this is where I think it takes time as much as, as we'd like to see it. But I, again, we're going to see somebody break through and it'll be, do you remember that time when ChatGPT <laughs> came out? How, look yeah. how far it's come. So Yeah. I wonder, it's kind of like early days of search engines. It took us a while for everyone to get used to them. And now they're so powerful. Oh, I mean, we do sure. so much with the search engine. And I think ChatGPT will probably go through a similar evolution. Well, you're starting to see it embedded in search now, right? So if, mm-hmm. you, if yeah. you type in a search, if I type in Ultimate Guide to Partnering, it doesn't come up with my website right away. It comes up with a, an analysis of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. <laughs> Summary, I guess, if you will. Uh, and of you course, can read all, read all about Vince. Yeah, too much. Too much about that. But Microsoft has been leveraging their relationship, right, with the open, <laughs> open AI and you know, Copilot is out. They made some announcements recently in New York City, and I think it's November 4th. Mm. You'll see Copilot go live. They're going to be embedding it more into the operating system. You'll see things around Windows 11, and then certainly Outlook and the Dynamics platform and the like have Copilot options or, or capabilities built into mm-hmm. them. So it, it's a ride alongside, not replace mentality, yeah. which makes yeah. a lot of sense. It does. Yeah. And getting back to like, I'll use Gen AI, I'll go into ChatGPT 
and I'll say, this is what I think about, I'm going to post, but I don't always like it. I certainly will never post it exactly the way it's written, right? It gets yeah, a little yeah. too fluffy or I have to, I have to tone it down a little bit because it's, uh, <laughs> but it's, it, it, I think that that will evolve over time and it'll get to know the persona of the, the user and, 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 and adjust itself to it. Yeah. Yeah. I've put in transcripts of my podcast and asked it to create yeah. summaries. I have to do it in four or five in like posts itself yeah. so it can actually get in. But the response it it gives me is very much in my tone, yeah. uh, which is now that's something where if it can just take care of writing my emails for me and just tell me what it did at the end of the day, I'd be happy about that. Yeah, well, I, I use an, another tool for that. I use Otter AI. So <laughs> Otter does a summary. I, it, it'll transcribe the podcast and it'll do the summary. I find that within chat GBT, it doesn't, it won't consume the entire transcript. I think you probably see that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. have to do it in bits at a time yeah. and it ends up summarizing every bit. And then at the end I ask for a complete summary and it, then it does a pretty it does decent a nice job. job. That's good to know. That's good to know for our listeners. So let's talk about origin stories here, right? So my path, I mentioned like 20, 2017, I had somebody say, hey, you should do, do a podcast. You know a lot about partnering. And that's how I got started. I put it on hold when I went and took the corporate job, Rob. And then Rob <laughs> yeah. had started up his podcast and then flipped the, flipped, flipped the table around and said, hey, I want to interview you while I was still at that other company. And I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. I like doing this. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I had to push you to get, get started again. You did. You did. You were the, you were the impetus to get me yeah. back going again. But how did you, what, was you, what gave you the thought and the idea, Rob? Yeah, my origin, well, having just come back from sailing, that was my origin was sailing and a, and a sailing podcast called On the Wind um, that I just love listening to and still listen to. And it was very narrative. He would interview all different types of people in the sailing industry, manufacturers, famous sailors, you name it. And I got thinking, well, that'd be kind of fun to do on the channel, right? And I came up with the idea of channel journeys. And originally, I was thinking it'd be much more around the journey of people in the channel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But quickly learn that's interesting. But what's much more interesting to listeners is how you overcome specific challenges. And so started coming up with every podcast of a different kind of theme, main topic that we talk about, and which has helped me because all the different challenges that I face, I can have a immediate help by just reaching out to someone and doing a podcast interview on that topic. <laughs> so it's like my own consulting access platform, I guess, to do. But Got started. I think I was doing, I had just started doing some consulting work at that time when I started it and quickly landed another job as you often do in consulting, but decided to keep it going, which was a, a great call. I just love having it. Beyond Trust supports it and they, they like what I can do. And I get to interview folks from Beyond Trust occasionally. So yeah, it's been a great journey for me, just the whole podcast journey. It's been a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. How about you, Paul? Well, I think this is all going to revolve around Rob here. <laughs> we we sponsored Rob's podcast and I was on That's his right. podcast. And then a couple months later, or maybe six months later, we did another one. You had mentioned that it was a very high performing episode. You came to it back to us about a week later. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned this to our internal team and said, maybe we should start our own podcast. And they said, well, we never thought you'd ask. So <laughs> within a couple of weeks, we had everything set up and uh, team to work on it in, internally. And I guess the rest is history. So yeah, so yeah it was great having Magendrix as a sponsor in those early days, helped me get mm-hmm. started and, and look what it did. It helped you guys launch a podcast. It sure did. 
And then yeah. when Rob was getting started, he had reached out to me, right? So back channel on this conversation. And I had forgotten about this conversation we had, Rob, until you until you had me on your podcast. And it turned out that you were using the same editor that I had used. Yes. And I was like, oh, wow, that's right. We had that conversation <laughs> a couple of years ago. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, that was... So the fun group, and and we all talk yeah. with the other channel podcasters, and sometimes we're on their shows or vice versa. So it's it's a great channel community and a great channel podcast community. So any thoughts as we're entering twenty twenty four here, not too in the distant future. It's only going to be yeah. a couple of months from now. What do you what do you see? Like if you had your crystal ball, what what do you think we'll see differently going into twenty twenty four, and how can organizations optimize for their success? Well, my view, which is reality, I think the economy is getting more difficult. And over over the weekend, now we have new uncertainties in the world. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that creates a lot of anxiety and just horrible things taking place there. But from a business perspective, it, it impacts business. It, it yeah. impacts everybody's psyche of what's going on. And so for us, it's, it's more important than ever that we really stick to the basics and what we need to do in helping our customers on their journey to acquiring the product and using the product and leveraging the ecosystem. Now we've built it, but how do we really use it effectively? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the theme for next year is really driving that engagement with the ecosystem at all levels, right? And it's it's very different than the kind of single-threaded reseller approach. It's a very multi-threaded approach that has huge mm-hmm. advantages. You talk about uncertainty in an account, will it close or not? Well, leverage your ecosystem. You've got five different points of view and connections, and each of the partners has five connections in the account. That's a huge network of advice that you can get on where are you in the deal? What does it really take to close? Yeah. Mike Champion's telling me it's going to close next week, but my GSI is saying, you don't have a shot at all. You're, you are so far out of, of alignment right now. You've got to do this, this, and this to do it. So we can get happy years thinking the deal is going to close, and then you listen to your partner and say, wait a second. No, you're not there yet. So... Yeah. There are so many different ways to leverage the ecosystem. That's what we're all about next year is just driving that that engagement of the full ecosystem. They are so much the canary in the coal mine. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. To the customer, they can sniff what's happening. <laughs> yes. How about from your side, Paul? What do you see going into 2024? <laughs> well, one thing that I did see in 2023, which was really unexpected, was the number of channel programs that I saw shut down and reverted back to a direct sales model, mm-hmm. surprising and large yeah. programs as well. So coming into 2024, I, I do think this will come to an end. I think that as we, we start getting these organizations that are going through these tough economic times and people realizing, hold on, these uh, channel-based organizations they're actually performing and that attribution they want for, for the sale, they'll be able to attain through the channel program and it will be a lot more cost effective than having direct reps do that, that task. So that's one of the things I think we'll see. I think we'll see the resurgence of more organizations adopting channel or even going backwards on, they canceled their program last year and maybe they'll restart in 2024. I think we will see the requirement of integration really come into the everything from the ecosystem to the marketplaces to the hyperscalers. This is going to really need multiple points of integration, but there will be the expectation 
of integration. So I think those are the two things that I think we'll see. And I'd really like to see more events from from you, Vince. And Rob, it's always great to, to talk to you in person. But in 2024, we got to at least meet in person. So uh, that those are my predictions and and some goals for 2024. Well, I think we're going to have to reprise this in person in 2024, but yeah, I, for sure. I appreciate what you had to say about events, Paul. That's kind of my segue for my selfish plug here. But I, what I've been seeing this year, and we've talked about this a little bit, has been certainly the role of the hyperscalers has become more and more dominant, right? Not only mm-hmm, do they absolutely. own the data centers and all the underlying technologies of the operating systems that all of the ISVs ride on top of. But now with AI, they own even a larger portion mm-hmm. of the IP. And then certainly we've seen marketplaces really take off where Canalys is saying it's going to be 45 to $50 billion will flow through marketplaces by the end of 2025. And the recognition that this co-selling methodology, including the hyperscaler in it, gets us access to $200 billion in durable cloud budgets mm-hmm. because, the, because those three hyperscalers are selling large agreements to enterprise organizations and mid-market organizations. One of the other things I've been seeing too is that the mid-market is becoming more of a thing. It's becoming more important and relevant. Mm -hmm. It's a huge opportunity for growth. Microsoft is investing 75% of its channel incentives in that mid-market space. Mm -hmm. And they're also saying they're going to double their partner attach this coming year. So we're bringing that all together. You mentioned ecosystem. It's going to be an event to spark the ecosystem. We're calling it Ultimate Partner Live and love to have you both there. But if you don't get to this one, we're going to have you at the next event. But it's going to be in Dallas, Texas, November 13th through the 15th. And uh, we'll provide a link in our show notes for, for listeners to to sign up. We're expecting over 300 partners in the room. It's a, it's going to be an exciting event. So. That's awesome, Vince. Who, who's your target audience that should attend this? So we have all of the large-scale partners coming. So all the big partners like the CDWs, SHIs, Insights of the world will be there. We've got partners of all types. We've got a lot of ISVs coming into the room because Marketplace is an important function. And then also, they also sell both direct to enterprises, but they also sell primarily through channel partners or, or resellers or influence partners to the to this mid-market customer. So it's it's all of the above. It's the ISVs, it's the large-scale partners, it's some of the SIs, large SIs and smaller SIs. Mm-hmm. Anyone that cares about optimizing their business this coming year and is aligning to market the, the priorities of Microsoft, which are marketplace, AI, and the mid-market, the SMC market are, are mm-hmm. the event. So yeah. We've seen really great uptick in uh, people signing up for this. That yeah. sounds awesome. That does. I'm bullish on marketplaces. I'm also bullish on distribution on the disties. Yep. Mm. And we're really seeing great success with our distributors stepping it up to the next level and playing a massive role in in what we do from service delivery, partner enablement, really or ecosystem orchestration, all of that. And, and we expect them to play a, a more important role even in the mid-market, like you're talking about, and driving that higher velocity transaction. So I and I like to see that the hyperscalers are starting to figure it out too, that they see a role for distribution. Yes. And they're starting to figure out how to play together. That's super important because I think both are going to be involved in in a vast majority of the business that we yes. do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. 
Now, Rob, have you seen more of a value add coming from the from distribution yeah. as opposed to more transactional? They're now being involved more and providing additional value throughout the the course of the the selling motion. Yeah, much more value add, and it's it's okay. leaning heavily on the on I'd say more the customer success side of it hmm. in actually building up services teams to be sort of bench augmentation to the partners and helping to train the partners, even stepping in to help certify the partners for us on the technical side. So that's hugely important. They're, they're playing a role in, in starting to organize what we call the trifecta events. That's our big trend in marketing is we always have multiple partners. We'll have a, a reseller, a couple of our tech alliance partners, the distributor, all playing a role in the marketing event. And they can help drive attendance. They all have a, a place to play in that marketing activity. So yeah, a lot more value add and we're, we're expecting a lot more value add from them and they're, they're starting to deliver. It's really good to see. They're reinventing themselves. They are. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to go back and listen to our, our episode from the beginning of this year because we did make some predictions and I think we'll say the, the change in distribution uh, mm-hmm. was going to change. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure we got that one right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're definitely, and we work with Ingram. I was just at the Ingram One event. They're yeah. doing some really interesting stuff with their Xvantage platform that can take it up another level. And that it's a different platform than the hyperscaler platform. It has a, right. serves a different role. They both That's have right. an important role to play. Yeah, they certainly, they certainly do, right? Because the, the, enterpri- the enterprise organizations at the hyperscalers are never going to reach all of those customers themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. going to rely on the distribution to t- what we call the long tail to take mm-hmm, it through, mm-hmm. through to the end customer. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Well, this has been terrific. So great to have you both on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. And like I said, we have to get together in person this coming year. So we're going to have to find our venue. Yeah, we definitely Absolutely. do. That would be fun. And, and Vince, congratulations on episode 199. Thank you. I'm, I got to ramp up to weekly or something if I'm ever going to pass you up, but no time for that. So I got a ways to go. Uh-huh. But it's yep. great to see your continued success and how you're evolving your your company and just you're finding new ways to add value which is really fun to see thank you so much congratulations on 199 yeah i'll get there it'll take me a few more years but (laughs) uh, but i'll get there that's for sure well i couldn't think of two better gentlemen to spend this episode and uh, celebrate 199 with so thank you both for joining today yeah it's been fun thank you it's been a great time Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.